Well, we've seen quite the reversal in sentiment. EU stocks are flying. The S&P and NASDAQ are all, time, all close to all-time highs. Oil's 15% off its lows, and the VIX has pulled back from 30% and above to 20%. But can it last? We discuss all these things and more as we assess the trade-off. Well, hi, I'm Chris Wesson, Head of Research here at Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined in a short while by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. Now, we're going to be unpacking, as always, we're going to be analysing, navigating all the landmines, all the trends, the setups from this mad world of trading. And remember, if you like what you hear, smash the like button. We'd really appreciate that. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to the channel as well. So do your own research when you're listening to anything that I say or Blake says. But let's get after it today. I'm going to bring Blake into the programme. Welcome to the programme, Blake. Let, hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good, mate. Look, I think let's revisit some of the calls that we made last week. I mean, I think, yeah, we, you were looking very closely at the Aussie dollar. Um, you said the DAX could be dead. Um, you know, I talked about lumber and some and, and you know, potentially range trading Ethereum. Yeah. How do you think those calls have gone for you, mate? Well, let's just say the DAX is not dead. It's far from dead. And uh, it's 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 mirroring other assets like the equity markets and it's rallying. But the Aussie did treat me well. You know, I bought the Aussie as planned as we approached 70 cents. I picked up some down there and it looks like we got a false breakdown now. So I like being long the Aussie. But yeah, the DAX, not dead. Not yet. How about you? I like the Aussie as well. I think, yeah, there's been a reversal of fortunes, which we talk about there. The lumber trade's working quite well. We're, we're still not getting that, that, that really impulsive move up, but it is in, is in the money. Ethereum obviously broke down, um, but it's back inside the range as well. So, yeah, it's been okay, um, certainly on the, on the right side of the lumber trade. But, you know, I think it's probably a good time to, to get after it again and, and debate some of the subjects, the matter that, that we're seeing in the markets as well. So let's just go straight into what's making the news now, and let's go into Topical Thunder. Well, uh, we always talk about, we're going to sentiment in a second, Blake, but yeah, I want to talk about the dollar because on Friday, we've got the US CPI numbers. For me, that's the Mac Daddy of economic releases. Of course, we've got what this means for the Fed meeting next week. Um, and, and I think that sort of Fed meeting comes at the same time as the Bank of England and the ECB. So that 12-hour period is going to be a pretty wild west of, of situations there in terms of navigating around event risk. But it starts with the CPI numbers on Friday. Personally, for me, this plays into the dollar. Um, the dollar index is up five days in a row. It's started to move. Obviously, that's a large portion of the fact that the, that the euro has been on the decline. You talk about the Aussie, um, but the dollar has been moving up nicely against the euro. The CPI numbers for me, if we're watching that, um, yeah, if we get a seven handle on, on, on headline inflation, it could have big implications, not just for the dollar, but short term rates and also risk sentiment more broadly. But what are you thinking about you know, the, the CPI numbers this week, how that feeds into the Fed and ultimately you know, how that treats you as a, as a dollar trader? Well, you know, us as traders, we're obviously focused on the dollar right now. And you're right. We're, we have to focus on inflation. And I, I know people like to argue that the CPI number is not the Fed's most important inflation gauge, but it is what the market's looking at. The market is going to be looking at that data. It's going to be scrutinizing it. And you're right, a very hot number could push the dollar higher. But I'm in the belief that a lot of this is already factored in. Right. And we could really see it in the equity markets, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But the equity markets, or excuse me, the market has already seen that we have, you know, pretty, per, you know, persistent inflation. And because of that, 
I'm not too sure if I still want to chase the dollar up at these levels. I think the dollar is in the process of forming a near-term top. That doesn't mean that I'm bearish the dollar um, longer term. It just means strategically. I think tactfully, we can actually be looking for dollar shorts, maybe after a number that as long as it's not too hot, it's not too hot on Friday, maybe the dollar does start to fade up here. But I still look for the dollar index, 94.50. That's the place I really want to be a buyer. That's where I'm ultimately, I'm long against. Well, I think, um, you know, the market's looking for 6.7% on headline. I think if it wears a seven handle, then for me, the, the, the trade would obviously be dollar Swiss, dollar yen pushes higher on the back of that. You know, two-year treasuries have, have already factored in so much of that. So, you know, it's hard to see a, a material move, but we're yet to see that. The, the pain trade, I think, is, is, is what we're talking about, the Aussie, the Kiwis, those kind of risk currencies. And I think you're going to get a much bigger move in, in Aussie dollar to the upside and Kiwi dollar to the upside, and maybe CAD against the dollar if we get a weak number. So I think if we get you know, 6.4% or below, that would be a surprise for the market. We would be shocked by that. Uh, and I think you would suddenly see you know, Aussie dollar going, or going on for a, ramp, a, a rampant move there. So I think that's the playbook there. So yeah, I think that the surprise is, is if we get a weak number, those high beta currencies are going to work really well. Um, but if we get a hot number, then I'm, 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 I think we'll probably see dollar move up against the yen and also the Swiss as well. So it's an interesting one. Definitely one to put on. Well, the like you said, it's probably more of a rates move. And that's when you're long the dollar against the yen and maybe the Swiss. I, I agree with that. Now that I, I got to turn our attention over to the equity markets and talk about risk on because yep. this is where, you know, we talk, Chris, about, you know, the, the Omicron variant, the, the, the COVID variant. Yep. Uh, we talk about, you know, higher rates, higher inflation, persistent inflation, and the market just doesn't care. We're over, we're almost at all-time highs. And this is why I start to think, you know, does the market even care that we have higher inflation? Does it does they do do they care that everybody's expectations are starting to move up for tapering for a higher dollar amount going mm. into next week into the FOMC? Yeah. I mean, because of this, the stock market is still at all-time highs. So is this risk on or, oh, do I have to mention Santa Claus? Maybe it's Santa Claus again, Chris. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about equities at all-time highs here? I mean, I it's hard to fade it, right? It's very hard to fade it, Blake. You're absolutely right. We're up 24% for the S&P year to date. If we get past the CPI numbers, the market doesn't pull back. Next week, we're going to get clarity on the Omicron uh, situation there. Yeah, the immune evasion, they're calling it. Um, let yeah, Dr. Fauci talked about that. And, and yeah, we're already hearing um, some of these kind of preclinical trial results from, from GSK and that sort of boosted market sentiment. We're going to hear more from, from Pfizer. But, you know, it's really the, the health officials, we're going to get more clarity about that next week. But once we go past CPI, if the market hasn't pulled back, once we get past the FOMC, we're in and, and, and options ex- expiry on the 17th. That week afterwards, I think it starts the 18th or the 20th. It, once we get past those event risks, we could see, and the market hasn't pulled back, a huge rally into year end if market chases that risk. You know, you need, you're going to need to see the market pull back on those situations to, to make this work. But if we go past those event risks with the market up 24%, you've got to get paid, right, as, a, as an active yeah. manager. So that's, that's the issue. You are going to get a people chasing that in. So these event risks, if they don't cause um, the, the material move down, then we're going to get a melt up into year end and I want to be part of that. So yeah, I think that's the issue there. And I, and, and what if, what if, and we were you know, still talking about the fed, Chris, 
you know, everybody's expectations are ratcheting up for the Fed to actually increase their taper. So yep, they are, they're going to wrap up possibly at early, you know, in spring of next year. Yep. So how about if the Fed just stays pat and they're like, you know, we're fine with our pace. What happens there if they oh. just don't taper <laughs> as fast? Then, the you know, you're talking a 5,000 level on, on the S&P. I mean, yeah. my upside targets right now are 4,800 and 4,900 respectively yep. for the 127% and 161% extension of this last two-week move lower. Yep. But What's the market going to do? They're going to rally. They're going to rally really, really hard. But it's not going to happen, mate. It's not going to happen. They will yeah. uh, They will accelerate their pace of tapering, maybe double it. And, and, and the market will be fine with that. They'll be pretty comfortable. You may buy a few dollars. But generally, if they don't, that would be a surprise. And you know what? You know, you're going to see... You're going to see the S&P move up. You're going to see the Nasdaq absolutely you know, perform beautifully in that situation. So definitely one to watch on. And we'll talk about that next week as well. But the other, you know, when we're talking about risk on sentiment, part of really what's been happening here is, is China having a bit of a pivot, really. Um, you know, they've, they've had all these problems of Evergrande and the property market and deleveraging that's been playing through, de-risking through. But they seem to have changed their tune. And we're going to hear about it more over the next few days as we have their work, their, you know, their work economic conference. But effectively, they've, they've cut reserve ratio requirements. They're going to allow banks hold, to hold more reserves, which should, in theory, allow more credit to come through. It should offset some of the maturing um, medium lending facility um, withdrawals that have come through. And hopefully we see a net positive increase in, in credit in China. We think that, that there's going to be uh, the credit impulse, which is the amount of credit which is being lent out relative to GDP, will start going from, from what was going down and start rebounding into positive territory. And, and these China proxies that we talk about, the Aussie, the Kiwi, you know, the old Chinese markets are all benefiting from this. They're allowing more credit to get into the system. And it seems that they've gone through this kind of 180. Now, we don't expect them to um, have changed their tune dramatically and, and allow just, just this radical you know, credit impulse to get out there. But they have changed the situation and, and, and China proxies have benefited from this. Um, is this a short-term reprieve in your eyes, Blake, or is this is this something that, that could start a trend in commodities, in commodity uh, proxies and China proxies? Well, I'm just actually going to let you continue speaking for the next minute and 42 seconds because <laughs> you're going to just keep talking up the Aussie for me, and I'm happy about that. Yeah. So, you know, I believe that this is a bigger pivot by China. I believe that's what put a bottom underneath the Aussie, yeah. and that's what has it's going to help risk appetite going into year end. And it's just fueling the fire behind this whole move that we're seeing in the S&P. And now we've got China following suit. So I don't think that they're, I don't think this is a, a, a short-term thing. I think this is actually putting a floor underneath commodities, but in turn, it's also going to, you know, heat up the, the top, the topic about, you know, overheating economies, inflation is high, you know, I, I'm I'm and I'm liking it, and I think the Aussie is going to follow. My my question to you is maybe being closer to being in Australia. How about the Kiwi? How about is the Kiwi going to play some catch up there too? Kiwi likes December. <laughs> you know, when you're looking at the seasonals, <laughs> which I know some people really look at, the Kiwi dollar yeah. performs very well in 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 December. But we don't have that natural catalyst. The next RBNZ meeting doesn't come until you know next year, so we, we're kind of waiting for that to play out. Um, but I think, you know, choose, pick your poison, whether it's the Aussie or the Kiwi. Uh, for me, it's about positioning. You know, there's more people short the Aussie than there are Kiwi. So there's a lot more pain that, that would come um, 
you know, but we also look at different things. You know, the, the Kiwis, uh, in terms of their, their exports, they look very more closely at yeah, things like milk exports and, and dairy, whereas we're much more sort of correlated to what's happening in iron ore and, and LNG and those kind of factors. So, look, I mean, if we get a weak CPI number in the US uh, and, and commodity prices, iron ore futures, et cetera, continue to go up, you know, your trade's going to work beautifully. The Aussie dollar continues. But, it, you know, we already remember that, that, that very few people out there like the Australian dollar. That's generally quite a good time to... To, to be long in that situation. So I think China for me is, part, is, is at the epicenter of markets. It's got to be on everyone's radar at the moment. I think China proxies are working quite well there. Awesome. Well, let's turn our attention over to cryptos. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you got caught sideways in this, and I'm hoping some <laughs> of you guys and gals did not, but Bitcoin took a massive move lower and the whole crypto space did. We saw a 27% move over the weekend, late on Friday into Saturday move you know, Bitcoin has it, it had a failed rally attempt above the uh, you know sixty six thousand level. Um, we've broken through a channel that I've been monitoring, and we took we took out a lot of stops, and we're having a hard time getting back above fifty five thousand. And I think while we're below fifty five thousand, technically it looks like we could head lower at least near term. You know, the 200 day is slightly below that too, Chris. And I'm wondering if some of the steam and some of the the, the 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 tailwinds that cryptos have had all of 2021 i don't know if that's starting to wane here what are your thoughts on cryptos at this point mate i'm i'm walking across the road uh in one you know, of the main roads here in melbourne and i'll get pinged by two people at the same time going have you seen crypto and this is saturday morning and i'm looking down at my looking down at the phone i'm seeing yeah, Bitcoin down 20%, some of the altcoins down by even more. And I'm just like, this is such a such a powerful trading vehicle. When it goes, it really goes. And, and for the spread, it actually, you, you're paying for the movement, the incredible movement in crypto. I think crypto for me is one of the best trading vehicles you can have there. You know, whether you're a hodler, for me, you know, if you're going long or short, I think it's fantastic. I love to see all that. I love to see movement like that. And, you know, it's great to be part of that. But I think this is, one of the conversations we're having is, is this, one of the sort of liquidity beneficiaries that did so well through QE and, and all these other factors that came from central banks and the cash injections from governments into households. Yes, I believe that that was the case. Uh, are we therefore going to struggle under a day where QE is no longer from March? Perhaps. I do believe in the adoption story. Um, but for me, you know, I think we're back in the range in Ethereum. I think we're probably going to chop around in Bitcoin. But I love the movement. Don't you just love that 20% sort of movement? I think we've had 15, oh, sorry, 50 different times, 50 occasions in 2021 where Bitcoin's had a 10% high to low trading range on a day. How, how good's that? That's got to be a great trading product, right? Well, it's got to be. But how do, how do the hodlers feel? I mean, those are the ones that are like, you know, when the, when, the, when the bottom slides out, but they're going to hold on for dear life anyway. But, you know, I think most of us are waiting for a move somewhere into the 20,000 level in Bitcoin. I don't even know if we're ever going to get it, but I think you are right. It is a range trading vehicle. It's a massive volatility vehicle. That's probably why it'll never be a quote unquote currency because you just don't have a central bank pro providing the, as Trichet would say, the stability. You know, it doesn't, you don't get that. That's so, awful. you know, you get this, <laughs> that was horrible, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I'm not even sure where hey, country that country Jean-Claude Trichet was one of my favorites. Anyway, I, I think we need to keep an eye on cryptos because I think the tide's turning a little lower. I think we're in a much bigger range, 25,000 to 50,000. I think that's where we're going to be seeing Bitcoin for a while. 
Well, go hard or go home. Right, we're going to go to some of the charts, have a look at some of the setups that are coming on Myron and Blake radar. Hopefully, we see Bitcoin down at 20,000 for the traders out there. But let's go to that's a setup. Blake, I talked about the dollar a minute ago. I want to bring up dollar yen because that's one that we're seeing quite a lot of business in at the moment. Obviously, with CPI, it's really a chart that, I, that, that we've held there. Um, you can see uh, on that kind of horizontal resist, uh, support levels, that 112.73, there's obviously a lot of buyers in there uh, coming in. That, that level is very much holding. Um, you know, obviously, if that gives way, if we do see a weak CPI numbers coming out uh, and the market decides that they want to start buying two-year treasuries and we see yields moving lower as a result of that dollar yen moves lower uh, and we get, you know, if we were to break through that 112.73, then I think short positions are probably going to work quite nicely, maybe even for a move down to 111.50, maybe even down to the figure. Um, but there's obviously a lot of support coming through there. You can see the swing that we got back in November. It's held that number at least four times. And the markets managed to have a really strong bullish bar yesterday. We saw a higher low playing through. We've sort of built on that situation. And we may look to push into 114, which is the mid-range of that, that sort of 20-day high to low Dolchin channel that I've drawn there as well. We're starting to see momentum kick up. You can see that in stochastics. We're starting to push through some of these short-term exponential moving averages as well. I want to see this trending higher. That's what I want to see. But we've had that bullish candle. Can we now build on that? It's certainly one that, that, that I'm looking at for a potential move through 114. If we get through 114, then I think we're going back up to 115 into the top end of that range there. And again, it's one that's very difficult to do because it's going to be driven by two-year treasury yields, which have just really been smoked. You know, you've seen really good selling in the front end of the US treasury curve, which has boosted dollar yen. Um, but it's one that, that, that you know, needs work. It, it's not one that I'm, I'm, I'm holding a position in at the moment. As I say, I'll be short through 112.74 through that horizontal support level, specifically on a closing basis. But it is starting to grab my attention. It's come up on my radar and it's saying, Chris, are we going to see this working higher? If it breaks and pushes into 114 uh, and breaks that level, then I'm long dollar yen. I think that's going to be a good one into CPI and into Fed meeting next week. What do you think? You know, I, I like the 112.50, 112.70 level, as you pointed out, Chris. Those are huge supports for the dollar yen. That was like previous range highs. So because it was previous range highs, that's acting now as a floor of support. Previous resistance, now support. That's where it's at. Now, what right below those question marks that you have there, that comes in at the 113.70 level. That's current horizontal resistance right around 113.70, 113.75. That's also a 38% retracement of this last move lower. So I think if we can clear that Friday, Post uh, post CPI data, or maybe even before that, Chris. You know, I think you're right. 115 is the is where I want to be. And I, I will tell you though, below 112.50, I wouldn't want to be long dollar yen because that's going to disappoint a lot of yen shorts yep. that have been really probably adding to this dip. You know, they've been probably buying the dollar yen dip, and below 112.50 is going to be kind of ugly. But I like the setup right now. And I like those. I like that chart, Chris. Yeah, I just want to see: is it? Is, are we building this kind of platform ready to spring higher? And you know what we saw from number one and number two. What I've tried to articulate there is: is when there's trends, it can be very powerful. Are we ready to see that situation? Are we building a platform for that sort of springboard bang up to to, to cause a, a number three, should we say? And that's what we want to see through one fourteen, uh, that mid range. Then I think we we'll probably get that situation in dollar yen. 
That'd be cool. One other th- point I want to make is that if it gets to 118, roughly, that is a multi-year trend line, and that'd be a level that I'd be, you know, if I'd be, if I was long, I'd be taking profits up there. Yeah. But the next chart I really want to show you, I want to show you the the NOC, the U.S. dollar Norwegian krona. This is like this is the NOC setting up for the knockout. I love <laughs> the trading the I love trading the Noki. The the, the Noki is like one of my favorite currencies to trade. I know a lot of portfolio managers, a lot of institutional guys like to ha- like to play around here. The reason why is because you get a lot of volatility. This yep. currency pair to move a percent, percent and a quarter, it's not a big deal. It could, we can move more than that. And the the setup that we have here is that we broke above this one or it was a 9.11 it was a resistance. It was a double top, played it as a double top to the short side. Uh, earlier this year, as we got up to that resistance and we started to break out, we actually challenged the 161% extension of the, it was the September high all the way to the October low. The 161% extension came in at nine, like basically 919, 9.19. When we rejected that and came back down through the breakdown point, that set us up a false breakout. And I love false breakouts. I love false breakdowns. I love it because it catches the market off guard. Now, ultimately, Chris, I do want to be long the dollar Norwegian Krona. It is the trade that I do want to play. I actually want to play it on the long side as we get closer to 888.85, which is that blue line breakout point. But I think right now, near term over the next week or two, we're going to probably see a continued recovery in the NOC because the it's, it's strongly correlated asset crude oil is bouncing as well. And I think crude's heading back into the, you know, high seventies, maybe even 80. And that's going to give a little tailwind to the NOC right now. What do you think of the US dollar Norwegian krona here, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you've got the, the, the Norwegian Central Bank meeting coming next week. They're likely to raise rates. How much that's discounted? Uh, obviously, the Fed, you've got CPI in the US this week, and then you've got the Fed meeting next week. So you're, you're playing this kind of hodgepodge, this melting pot of event risk, which comes into the price action there. But like you say, the dominant factor apart from that is really what's happening in, in Brent crude. And you know what you're taking, if you go down to that blue horizontal level, then 883, um, you know, you're looking for a little bit more of a bounce in crude. If we can get a little bit, you know, five, 10% on the upside in, 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 in Brent crude, um, you know, it probably gets you down to that horizontal level. That's probably where you're starting to see fair value and probably a, a, an overbought uh, situation in Brent. And that could be the point where you do get that reversal higher in dollar, dollar knocky. So, yeah, I like this. I think you, you, the dominant driver, apart from central banks, is really what's happening uh, in Brent. If we do get that squeeze higher, that gets you down into that level. And I think you probably get a bounce off that from, from what would probably be overbought conditions. So great little tactical trade, let alone, um, you know, what the price is saying. But I think overall, you've got Brent, but you've got that failed situation. I too sit in the in the camp that if something looks like it's about to work and then doesn't, that that speaks volumes. And again, yeah, like you say, it keeps it catches everyone off guard. Uh, so I think that that, that failed break is, is definitely one that a lot of people are looking at. So I like the trade as well. Uh, one we're looking at, uh, we talked a bit about um, risk, and that's the what we're seeing in Nasdaq. I've got a pretty simple chart here. It's not got loads of lines, but it's just really showing you the power behind the candle that we saw yesterday, that buying which closed very much close to its highs. You've got the stochastic crossover. Obviously, that shows that momentum's there. Um, you've got you know really what could be a line in the sand around 16, uh, 16,420. 
if we get a break of that, they're not. I mean, it's not going to take a, take a magician to work out that we're going to see all-time highs in the Nasdaq, and yeah, the big tech stocks are seemingly finding some some buying love once again. But can we break through that level? That's the question. And of course, when you're drawing lines and putting some support and resistance, or yeah, Fibonacci levels or whatever, it's really how price reacts around those. So we can put these resistance levels in here is a kind of guide just to say, let's take it down to a 15 minute chart. Let's take it down to a, a five minute chart, whatever you want to do. And you can use that to scalp into those levels. But it's really about that behavior into that level. If it breezes through in the next couple of bars and closes above that, that will tell me that the market is ready to bull trend, perhaps into year end. So for me, that's that's really important. And uh, you know, this is getting a lot of love from clients, both long and short. Um, what do you think there? I mean, I, I think personally we get through that level, but you know, obviously we're at he the mercy of headlines through Omicron sentiment, and obviously what's happening in bond markets as well. Yeah, you know, ultimately, I think that what's going to help the Nasdaq here is lower yields, right? That's uh, that's one of the things that that tends to have help the Nasdaq. The sixteen thousand five hundred and fifty level that seems to be that horizontal resistance level that you're pointing out, Chris. And I'll tell you what, you also pointed out the big green candle. Now, there's no guarantees in the market. We don't we don't guarantee anything. But what I will tell you, behavioral wise, when you see a big green candle like that, a big long green candle. It's usually followed by another green candle. That's why I don't like to step in front of them. No. And I think you're right by pointing out that, hey, we had a really powerful, you know, what what Elioticians might call a, uh, 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 um, oh, geez, I can't think of the name of the word. Uh, it'll come back to me a little bit later. But it's a very big move and very abrupt. And usually that's followed by other, you know, moves higher. So yeah. I like the NASDAQ and I like the setup. And I think being there's a lot of people that have been leaning into the nasdaq short over the course of the last couple of weeks saying it's toast you know rates are going higher nasdaq's going to bleed and here we are almost back up at the highs i could see the squeezing right past the new highs just to catch everybody that was short i'll tell you when you if you want to go for a market where where a lot of people are uh, under position relative to the nasdaq and that's european stocks if you look at systematic trend followers ctas and whatnot you know, the, the, the length in terms of you know, EU stocks, DAX, futures, etc., is significantly lower than what we're seeing in US markets. So if we are going to see this kind of general melt up, I, I, I think now that I was I sort of changed my tune, I was thinking that it's going to be the NASDAQ. I was wrong. I, I think now we're probably likely to see um, European stocks move higher. We already are. But, you know, I think if you're looking for that underloved area, that the European stock markets are probably where you're going to see the outperformance if we do see stocks continue to move higher there. So wait a second, the DAX is not dead? Definitely not dead, mate. <laughs> it might well be dead, who knows? But at the moment, you know, I think if you're, well, if you're going to get a melt up in risk into year end, I think the European markets are probably where you're going to drive the alpha there. There you go. And by the way, the, the term I was looking for was impulsive. It was an yep. impulsive move. So uh, the, the pound, New Zealand or sterling Kiwi, I think the Kiwi is ready to fly. I'm going to go with back with your theme about China. I think the, the, the failure of the pound or the sterling kiwi right at the 197 horizontal resistance was a big rejection. We're back below the 200 day moving average, but I still think the kiwi is going to underperform. You know, one of one of the currency pairs that I really like that's not in front of you right now is the Aussie New Zealand. I think the Aussie is going to outpace the New Zealand for a lot of different reasons, right. but going back to your previous conversation, Chris, because there are more people that dislike the Aussie than the kiwi. I think the Aussie is going to probably outperform it. So therefore, I'm also looking at the sterling. And if we get a dip down to the 50 DMA or no, towards like, let's just call it, and you can see that blue 
uh, square. That's a, what I call a zone. That's between the 38% retracement that comes in at 193.70 down to 192.70. That zone area would set up a nice little area for myself to be long for a good you know, good risk reward, long stops below the 50% retracement, somewhere down down below 192.50 maybe, looking for a long and a, and a big inverted head and shoulder pattern setting up. So that type of chart right there is the yep. kind that I like to think ahead. I like to think like a, a chess player. Instead of thinking one step ahead, I'm trying to think four or five steps ahead of my opponent. And you right now I'm looking at this as like- a... <laughs> this, uh, this is a, like a long, this is the one I'm, 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 it's got on, it's on my radar, Chris. So what do you think about the Sterling Kiwi? Yeah, look, it's, again, it comes down to China and, and, and these factors, the China proxies, Aussie Kiwi CAD, CAD to an extent. Um, but yeah, you've got a Bank of England meeting next week. Um, we've got seven basis points of hikes being priced in. So 50% chance of getting this notorious 15 basis point hike that so many people have been fraternising about. If, they, if the Bank of England obviously leave rates on hold next week, then, then in, in theory, it's not a simple science. Then the pound could fall down to those sort of targets that you get and your, your zone, as, as, as you talk about there. Um, you know, we've got, we don't have much... In terms, of, I think if, if risk sentiment is going to go higher and, and equities continue to drive, then the Kiwi is going to outperform the, the the pound. So you could get down there if the Bank of England leave rates on hold. Don't give you too much because they're concerned about what happens with Omicron and and lockdowns and, and various you know, restrictions they're putting on in the UK. Um, and then yeah, we see risk continue to high, go higher. Then you go down to your zone, and that's where you potentially flip it, as you say there. Um, but that's the sort of fundamental view we're having. Yeah, I mean, I think for me. Uh, I would be looking at sell stop orders on that candle and let, let you know, if, if the market continued to move a little bit lower, then you filled as a kind of momentum trade. Um, yeah, you build on that negative candle we've been seeing, which looks a bit like an engulfing, a bearish engulfing as well. So we're looking for that follow through. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the way I'd be playing these trades, whether it's daily or in shorter term frames. If markets close on their low on a bar, you know, put a sell stop on there. And if it just continues to drop, you're filled and you take the momentum through. So that's a, a good way to play that. But let's go into awesome. let's go into Let's go into the into the actual plays there, Blake, because um, you know, you've got an idea, I've got an idea. Let's go into play of the play of the day and see how this evolves. Well, you know, last week we yeah, throughout the show we've really banged on about this 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 China trade. Um, and, you know, the, we saw a trade balance number, which is pretty good. We've seen this kind of reversal from the Chinese authorities. Um, and, and when I look at Chinese equities, um, they feast. You know, Chinese traders and, and people trading Chinese assets, they, they, they feel the vibe. They, they harness the energy um, that the authorities are trying to do. And if they're trying to say, you know, we, we, we want to do measures to try and stimulate growth and stop growth pulling back too hard, you know, they do as they're told. I mean, you know, you, 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 you trade from the long side. If you see a situation where um, they're being more restrictive, you know, you see assets falling. It's a pretty simple situation, but they, they pretty much do... They, they trade and invest just as authorities want them to do effectively. And, and we're taking that as a trade now. You can see the China uh, CN50, which this is the China A50 effectively. What we're looking at is the top 50 stocks in China, which have been packaged as a futures product and traded on the Singapore exchange. This is a market that, that Pepstone offer and a number of other brokers do as well. But what you can see is you can see that we've been sort of consolidating in this sideways trade. You can see the Bollinger Bands, which has seen that that, that range has been coming down. The volatility's come down. That, that move, the variance relative to the 20-day moving average 
has contracted. Now we're starting to see explosive moves higher. We've broken out of that significant high that you can see with the red horizontal level. Um, and again, this is kind of what I talked about with my lumber trade, where I want to start off with a small position. If the, the capital starts coming into some of these Chinese equity markets, which have massively underperformed this year, People are seeing that this reversal from from the Chinese authorities is really working and it starts to positively trend. You're going to see those Bollinger Bands start expanding. You're going to see it hugging that, that upper Bollinger Band and I want to build to long. So I'm starting with a small position now. Uh, if it comes back through that red horizontal level, I'm out as a failed break um, and that's going to be my stop. And as it goes up, I really want to see it hugging the top Bollinger Band. And if it does, then I'm going to add to length in that situation. So if something's doing well, I want to do more of it. So I think that's a really interesting setup. We've had that bullish break. Now, can this start ball trending? I think it probably can. Uh, I've got my stops in place, but I'll add to the add to length in, in, in that situation. What are you looking for this week, Blake? You know, I want to turn your attention to the Bank of Canada or the dollar CAD because the Bank of Canada meeting is tomorrow and you, we can see the big slide. I mean, that's a big red candle that we've got in the dollar CAD. And I'm actually looking for a move down towards the 200-day moving average. So that means that you know, after following the Bank of Canada, it, it, hopefully they're a little bit more hawkish and we see the dollar Canadian slip down towards 125, but we get down towards 125 and then just below that around 124.50, we have a 200 day, the 200 day moving average. And then we have a nice little upward sloping or ascending trend line that's coming into play. That when I get that triple confluence, that's the level that I look to be on the long side. So this dollar Canadian has really struggled anywhere above 128 towards 129, 129.50. That's a big previous previous support. It has acted as current resistance. We, we haven't been able to get, get above that really for most of 2021. So I believe the dollar Canadian following the Bank of Canada is going to continue to drop, but I do want to be there to be a buyer down towards 125. I have no position in the dollar Canadian right now. I was short going into this week uh, on Sunday night, Monday morning. I was short. I only took, I don't know, I took like 40 or 50 or 70 pips out of it or something. I obviously left a lot on the table, you know, because we were, we were actually coming back down to that channel support around the 127.50 level. I took my profits there. I did not think we were going to continue to slide ahead of the Bank of Canada, but I am looking for some downside. So I'm going to be looking to be on the short side till we get towards that 200-day moving average. Then I'm about ready to flip it long, Chris. Yep. And that's my play of the day. Good stuff. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because Blake's uh, talked about a number of dollar pairs, but certainly he's looking at the high beta currencies to outperform the dollar in the short term uh, before he flips it. To be honest, I'm... <laughs> I'm quite uh, quite surprised I haven't fielded any kind of abuse about my kind of Larry jacket, to be honest, Blake. I was expecting more from you today, but I guess you are a man <laughs> sitting in front of a bunch of cactuses, so maybe you haven't got there. But anyway, look, it's difficult to to, to you know understand really what's going on until we get you know, more understanding about Omicron, the CPI numbers coming out. Yeah, you know, some great trades out there. We've talked about a couple of them that were potentially on our radar. But we're still in for a volatile December. We're still in for this wild December. Some of this event risk still very much in play. This risk assets could continue to go higher or they may not. You know, this is the trade that we're trying to take. And I hope you enjoyed today. So obviously, if you do find yourself liking the video, hit the like button. And we'll see you back next week uh, for the last one before we go for a Christmas break, a festive break. Um, but more for the, for the trade-off. We'll see you next week, Nick, guys.